It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, at least the weather is getting better. Welcome to Sadness, Spartan Nation. I promise we'll get through this. Michigan State, meanwhile, is looking for answers after the Spartans looked non-competitive in their second straight road game at Ohio State on Thursday night. It comes on the heels of a lifeless effort at Michigan in which big man Hunter Dickinson dropped 33 points, talking all along the way, and effectively erasing the good feelings from the Spartans' upset of Purdue a week ago. It's the continuation of a dismal stretch that has turned a once-promising season into another disappointing one. Can the Spartans pull it together in time to make a patented postseason run? We will discuss on episode 70 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion and Kyle Austin with you on Izzo 4th, 2022. Matt is on his way to sunny Arizona and will not be joining us again, but as spring football approaches, I'm sure we'll be hearing more of him in the future. Kyle, what's up? How was the trip to Columbus? Uh, trip to Columbus was good. Last, uh, last regular season trip of the year. Got nice try roads and, uh, yeah, ready for, uh, ready to go spend however much time I'll spend in Indianapolis next week. And I'm sure we'll get into that, uh, on the pod too. How is that arena? I, I've, I've always felt like Ohio state's basketball environment should be better than it is. Uh, it's, it's bad. Um, it, it's too big, which like, isn't a common problem, but I, I, they have, I forget the number, but they have the largest capacity in the big 10 and they just can't fill it despite, you know, they can fill the horseshoe, um, you know, with their eyes closed. But, um, you know, even I, I think the loss in Nebraska had something to do with it, but it was not a very, and maybe Michigan State's not the draw it used to be, but um, it was not all that full last night for, you know, a pretty big win for them. And, and Izzo um, is only Izzo can do called out their fans afterwards for not showing up. Um, and I think he caused a little bit of a kerfuffle down there from what I understand. So um yeah, but not uh, not not one of the better ones. You think they take out about eight thousand seats uh, from that arena? I saw that comment uh, from Izzo, and I think an Ohio State B reporter put it up. And a lot of the Ohio State fans in the comments, at least, did, were like, "He's not wrong," you know, like mm-hmm. he's he's right. We, we we need to do better to support this team. And you know, I, I agree. Like, it is weird to have a coach commenting on other people. Tom Izzo is like the dean of the Big Ten at this point, so I feel right. like you know, you always get you watch these press conferences, and you know, you're there. You always get like you know, reporters from other teams asking big general sweeping questions to Tom Izzo because, you know, like I said, he's sort of the godfather of the conference at this point. So people want his perspective on these sort of things. The, the funny thing now is that like Michigan has like a Tom Izzo clone over there in Martelli, you know, a couple of Paisanos who both uh, like to talk a lot <laughs> and uh, um, and hold court. And uh, my understanding is the press conferences over there have changed dramatically in the last week. And I think there's some beat writers that are going to be sad to see Phil go. Um, but yeah, a little, um, you know, a little more similarity there than there used to be. 
Yeah, post game on uh, Fox Sports One after the Michigan State game, Phil was definitely uh, soaking up the moment and doing some reflecting on his long, long career in college basketball. And I like Phil Martelli, so uh, you know, missed opportunity on the Michigan fans' part, though. You know, they're trying to make fun of the you know January, February, February Izzo stuff. Like, underscore January, February, March Telly. Yeah, you know? it's that, right there for you. Yeah, that that to me is obvious. Maybe it's a little awkward when he when Jawan comes back. Maybe they don't want to do it then. But yeah, he's already got the first syllable there. <laughs> uh, well, that's enough about Michigan. I don't want to talk about them for the next century, uh, <laughs> especially not Hunter Dickinson, man. Well, maybe he might come up uh, just you know because of Izzo's actions in that game. But we have three games to to talk about here, Kyle. Um, we didn't, you know, a busy week. They've got another game on Sunday against Maryland on Senior Day at the Breslin Center. Um, but you know, it's been three games since we talked. Obviously, it got off to a good start last Saturday. Uh, taking down Purdue at home in a game that Michigan State absolutely needed, and it sort of felt like maybe they were turning things in the other direction. Uh, but now two road games this week at Michigan, at Ohio State, uh, two games you would think the team would be able to get up for, and for the most part, they just didn't. And uh, you know now Michigan State is mired in one of the worst stretches they've had under Izzo's tenure. Yeah, yeah, I was looking this up last week. So as far as like 10-game closing stretches to a regular season, um, you know, obviously Michigan State is better than most programs at the end of the regular season. So seven years in a row before this year, they had had a winning record in the last um, 10 games of the season. And most seasons under him, um, I forget the exact number, but except for maybe three or four, they've been had a winning record at the end. Um, the worst they've ever been was his very first season. They were three and seven in their last 10 in 1996. Uh, this team right now is two and seven in its last nine games. So win on Sunday, just to match the 96 team for the worst closing team under Tom Izzo and lose. And you're officially the worst season closing team under Tom Izzo. So just, you know, I like to put things in perspective. It's nice when one coach has been there so long and you have so much history, but um, you know, we're entering uncharted waters. You know, we've talked about this before. So many teams have, have had that February struggle, um, and, and that kind of was familiar. So I think the start of this slide was a little bit like, okay, here we go again. Um, this is kind of what happens under Tom Izzo, but they just haven't had that turnaround. You know, they've flared up for one game here and there, you know, good Indiana game, good Purdue game, but uh, just no consistency. And, uh, you know, the, w- the way they lost those last two games to me was particularly concerning. Um, you know, I know they got kind of closer at some points. Um, I don't think they just totally rolled over, but, uh, you know, to go down to allow at well, Michigan made nine of 10 shots. And I think to start the game, I think Ohio state made seven of, of eight shots. Uh, can't defend anymore. All of a sudden uh, can't show up to start games, have no energy. And uh, you know, this team, you know, I think I tweeted last night, this team is just not good enough offensively to dig out of double digit holes all the time. You know, maybe you'll catch fire and do it every once in a while, but it's not like they've got this home in half court that, you know, they, they rip off 10 point runs all the time. Uh, they don't really go on that runs and they really need to chip away and chip away. And when they do like, you know, they got it to two against Ohio state, but you just kind of sense that that that's takes everything out of them. Um, they, you know, when they get it to two, Chris Holtman calls timeout, they kind of regroup um, Ohio state rips off nine straight out of the timeout. And that's the game. Um, and against Michigan, like I, I did think they played hard in the second half, but they, they're just not equipped to, to come back like that, especially when they're going to defend the way they defended this week. 
I thought they came out in the Michigan game with great energy. I mean, the starting five, you know, they came out, they were running, they were making, they were cutting hard. The ball was moving. It wasn't sticking. Then he brings in three subs, brings in AJ Hogard, who's was sick. And you know, the wheels come off the energy just isn't being met. So like, you just can't seem to get like the entire team on, on the same page at any point in time. And like you said, yeah, they just don't have the offensive firepower to come back from these poor starts, Kyle. And, you know, as the season has gone on, you know, I think early in, you know, maybe in the mid part when they were struggling in in the big 10 games, you know, they had the turnover issues, they were getting out rebounded at times. And, you know, those were the things like they're turning the ball over too much. We're like, just stop turning the ball over. You know, the metrics backed up that they would, they would be fine at that point. Um, I think what's more concerning now is like the issues of this team, like the, it almost seems like there's culture issues. Like it's embedded in the roster that they're just, they just don't have the energy or the firepower to, to, to sort of stick with teams or bring it every night. And you can tell Izzo in his press conferences, you like you've seen them all. Like he's become, it seems like he's getting beat down more and more and more as we approach March um, because like he's waiting for somebody on this team to step up and, and lead the team. And it's just not happening. And his frustration, I think he said it grew from frustration to anger. And uh, I think he's just really frustrated with this bunch and the lack of leadership from, from the senior class. And I don't want to put it all on them, but like Michigan State, I don't know how many times I have to say it. This program is built on its seniors leading the way, and it's just not happening this year. And it's frustrating to see because this team doesn't embody any of those classic traits that that Michigan State fans have have grown to see over the last you know two decades. You know, I'm sure there's some anger, um, but more than anything, like he kind of seems beat down to me. Um, like, like I don't know how much the the broadcast shows him, but like I watched him for a lot of the second half. Uh, last night, like he just sat on the bench. Uh, like he wasn't even standing up. He wasn't yelling at guys. Um, he wasn't getting into stuff. He was kind of just let, letting DJ make the subs and manage the defense. And he's letting Monty uh, manage the offense. And I'm not saying he wasn't doing anything, um, but certainly far less energy coming from the bench. And it's kind of, he seemed just kind of resigned to what was going in front on in front of him in, in a way that um, I, I really haven't seen. And it's been a couple of games he's done that for. It's been noticeable. And like he he doesn't come to these press conferences either, like all fire and brimstone and angry like he does sometimes. It's just kind of like, yeah, you know, it happened. Um, he's not happy, but it's more of a I don't know, like he like he's spoken very low tones. Like like Larry Lage said this very from the AP has been covering him for his entire career. And he said, I can't remember him ever just speaking that quietly afterward afterwards. And you know, we're kind of getting into the nitty-gritty now and um analyzing him, but it's it's a noticeable change. Um, and I just think it's um he seems you know kind of lost in what to do with this team and the topic that keeps coming up is leadership um I've, I've not heard him criticize the team's leadership um really hardly at all compared to what he's done now you know every game it's just we don't have leadership and, and the thing he always says after that is we're not going to change our leadership like, like nobody's going to turn into Draymond Green um, here in the next couple of weeks or, um, or, or uh, Mateen Cleaves or, or, or name your guy, or even a, you know, a mid-level leader. I mean, he's just kind of resigned to the fact that there's really no leader out there. Um, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to find one and we're going to be limited in what we can do because of that. And I, it, it's a dynamic I've never seen before. And, and, you know, I've covered some teams that weren't great, um, but I, I, I have not seen this sort of sort of thing out of a team. It's March 3rd, Kyle. I think he's waiting for someone on this team to just step up and do something. Like, I don't think he knows what else he can do at this point. Like we, like we saw at Michigan, 
you know, he's getting on the ref yelling about Hunter Dickinson chirping and looking at the bench and staring at his teammates. Like if that doesn't fire you up or piss you off as a Michigan state player, like if it takes Tom Izzo yelling at him to get right. him fired up, that should a thousand percent be a thing a player should take care of, you know? And like You're a basketball player, right? How like, like Izzo, Izzo would rather, I, this is my speculation. Like he would rather have a player get a technical for putting Hunter Dickinson on his ass than have to yell at Hunter Dickinson himself. Yeah. Follow him hard, put him down. Yeah. Not like intentionally injured, but you know what I mean? Like, like make it known physically that, that that is not acceptable, but guys aren't doing that. And, um, you know, we can talk about some guys like I think Gabe Brown is playing better offensively, but still isn't that guy. I think there was some hope that Malik Hall was becoming that, but, um, he's been fading, uh, in fairness. I, I think he's a little, a little hurt. You know, you remember that Indiana game, he had the ankle, and I think it was the elbow um, he hurt. He took two bad falls in that game. Um, and he hasn't really looked the same since. I know he had a good game against Iowa, but overall, um, Izzo said he, he thinks he looks hurt. So um, I think that's part of it. But um, still, you know, and, and Julius Marble, you know, was on the upswing, gets put in the starting lineup, gets his role expanded and, um, you know, hasn't hasn't performed well uh, in the new expanded role here um, outside of the Purdue game. But in the last couple um uh, the interior defense we can talk about letting Joy Brunk do what he did last night was pretty uh, pretty un- unbelievable to watch. So, yeah, I mean, every time you kind of think somebody's stepping up, maybe into a leadership role, maybe into a go-to guy role, uh, it just doesn't last. Um, it's there for a game or two, and then it recedes back. And right now, you know, nobody's really doing it. I mean, we've talked about it before. You can't make guys into things that they aren't. You just can't mm-hmm. do that. And I think Michigan State's biggest issue right now is that their best players are their younger players overall. I mean, underclassmen, I've, I've grown to think that maybe A.J. Hogard is the best player, most important player on this team. Um, but, you know, you've got the three-man freshman class that, you know, has shown some signs, but they're just young. Max Christie has struggled to sort of adapt to the physical nature of the Big Ten, and he's also guarding the other team's best player a lot of the time. So he's focusing on defense, and he's just getting worn down on offense. I just feel like the underclassmen on this team have a lot of potential, but like they're underclassmen. They're not going to, I can't, you can't expect a true freshman or a a sophomore to just like be the most vocal player on the team of their peers of guys that are older and who have been there. And that's just really a a big issue with this team because you can't make guys into what they are. Like, I think I, I was thinking about it last night. I think that I've been a little too hard on Gabe Brown um, because like he has had his best statistical season at Michigan state and he has improved every year. And, you know, I I never thought like talent was the issue, but maybe, maybe it is some of the issue because you can't make players into things that they aren't. And Mm -hmm. Gabe Brown is a good, not great big 10 player who is being hurt by that. There's no star there to compliment him. And I think that we have these expectations for a lot of these guys that maybe they can turn into the star, but maybe they just aren't star players. Maybe they're just good, not great players. And I heard Graham Couch talking about this the other day, how, you know, D1 elite athletes never want to admit that someone's better than them mm-hmm. or admit that somebody is, you know, just better than them straight up. They're never going to admit that someone's bigger, faster, stronger because they're athletes and they're D1 athletes and they're elite athletes and they think they can pe- compete with anyone. But the reality is some guys are better than others. Right. And maybe it is a little bit of a talent issue on this Michigan state team, at least with the upperclassmen that they just haven't developed. I think they have upper tier talent in the younger guys. Um, but you know, maybe they just don't match up. This team just isn't, you know, great. You know, maybe they're just at their ceiling. We can't expect people to be things that they aren't. Not everyone's going to turn into a star. So I was interested in watching Ohio state last night because, um, Malachi Branham, 
he's going to be Big Ten freshman of the year. He should be Big Ten freshman of the year. Um, yeah, uh, has a great close to the season. And like to me, if you put like an EJ Liddell, I mean, that's because he's got guys around him, particularly EJ Liddell. Like if you put an EJ Liddell next to Max Christie, like I'm not saying he becomes, you know, what Malachi Branham's been, but like I think he'd be a lot better um, if he had a dude next to him. Um, like, and we've talked about this a lot, but I, I just think it would help so many. The, the other guy that I've thought more about, it's like, I feel like I've, I've seen in flashes out of Tyson Walker, um, you know, whether it's the end of the, um, which game he won't it, shoot he? Kyle. He well, won't that, that's, shoot the, that's the problem. He won't <laughs> shoot. Uh, it, Did he attempt one three last night? Here, here's so there's like, I, I understand that like in practice and like the logic says that Max Christie and Gabe Brown are your best shooters. So they still build everything around getting those guys their threes, getting those guys their threes. At a certain point, like, look down at the stat sheet. Tyson Walker is shooting 50%, over 50% from three-point range. And I get that that's a smaller sample, and it might not hold up bigger, but, like, you got to get that dude some more shots. And it's to the point where, like, you remember in the in the 14-15 season where they were scuffling, things weren't going well, um, and they took Travis Trice, they moved him off the ball, um, and that clicked it for them. I, I feel like I've mm-hmm. talked about this change before, but it's like, yeah, I, I would really like to see, and, and they've done more two point guard stuff, but I would really like to see like Tyson Walker just in a shooting guard role a lot. Um, yeah. and just taking more shots, not having to worry about running the break as much, not having to worry about running the offense as much because he, he's been sick the last couple of games. So I don't think holding, you know, it, it's been a really fair look, but when AJ Hogarth's playing well, like he's your point guard to me. Um, just with his passing skills, um, with the way he sees the floor. And like, I would like to see when Hogard is healthy and playing well, like extended looks of those two, because I think you'd say, Hey, Tyson, we're changing your role. We want you shooting X number of times per game. AJ Hogard, you're getting 30 minutes game at point guard. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm coaching for, for Izzo now. And there's a reason he's the hall of famer and I'm not, but like that, that makes a lot of sense to me. The, the mid-range jumper was there time and time again against Michigan because Dickinson was fading off to guard the... Uh, Which is exactly what Purdue did. Right, and he 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 hit it. The one time he took it, he yeah. made it. Last night, he shot one three. Guess what, Kyle? He made it. Right. So, like, just... I don't know if it's a confidence thing or whatever it is with Walker, a mental block, but I know the staff is telling him to shoot the ball because the first play coming out of halftime against Michigan was him coming off that ball screen and knocking down a mid-range jumper. So they clearly told him that in the locker room, and I heard him say that in the press conference after the game. I just need to make better reads and take the shots when they're open. Well, he, he's still on a, he's in a point guard. Goes. Yeah, he's in a point guard role, though. Like, he still feels like he has to distribute, 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 because that's, you know, what they talked about. And I, I don't know, he, he, he need, his role needs to change into more of a shooter, and it's not happening because he's, a, he's at 55.4% for the season. You know, it's like, that. that's the dude you need to be shooting. And, like, He's the only guy like I've seen that's kind of got that killer in him, you know. Um, the industry term would be, can't say it here, but bad MF, you know, like the dude who's just going to cut your throat at the end of a game. Um, like, I, I feel like we're starting to see it from him. And, and he was a dude at Northeastern, so he's kind of got that background in him. And whether it's, you know, scoring 18 points in the last six and a half minutes of a game, which is still just insane. Or, you know, we, we haven't even potted after the Purdue win game but that last play it's like there were two options for him to pass it but mm-hmm. it they need a shot he sees that um Travion is switched on to him and he just said yeah I'm shooting and lights it up 
and no doubt it was going in, you know, and it's like, get that dude shooting more, get the ball in his hands late. Um, and to me, get him off the ball more and and start having him worrying about a thousand other things and let your better point guard be your better point guard, you know, and you hope Mm -hmm. that he's getting over this illness and he's healthy. I mean, that's, that, that's what I'm doing. If I'm in the head, if I'm in the head coaching chair. Defensively, that's been the bigger concern lately, I'd say, because, you know, they just had no mm-hmm. answer for Hunter Dickinson. I felt bad for Julius Marble. He's 6'9", underside big. He was doing what he can, but he just, Hunter Dickinson is a 7'1", you know, high four-star. P- people forget Julius Marble was a three-star who was basically like their backup, backup, backup plan. Plan, plan D, bring, yeah. Yeah, and he's he is he's a good energy guy. I'm not saying he can't play in the Big Ten. He can. He's proven that, but he's not an elite big man and he, he can't. And when you're, he's not going to be able to stick with guys like that. And he's not going to be able to be your number one big man. That should be your seven foot one senior. Who's been in the program for four years, who clearly just doesn't care. I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't know if that's fair. I'm over with Mark. I'm over it with Marcus Bingham, Kyle. He, He doesn't, I don't know what it is with him. I don't know what else Izzo can do to try and motivate the kid. I mean, he, he is not being the guy the team needs him to be because you know, you, you can't play Madi as much, although he did was about the only guy who showed up against Michigan. That was nice to see. Um, and Marble's just, you know, he is what he is. And Bingham was recruited to be that big man for this program at this point, and it's not happening. And no. it's it's it that kills you in the in a conference like the Big Ten, which is littered with elite big men. Yeah, I mean, Bing, Bingham is still, you know, light. For, I'm, not, I'm not totally defending him. He's light, but he showed that he can use his length to defend guys like Hunter Dickinson. And for whatever reason, he couldn't on Tuesday. Uh, to me, the bigger well, they didn't issue... really put him in that much, really. No, didn't they didn't. That much. No. Um, th- to me, the, the bigger issue was Joey Brunk going for 18 on them. Like, I'm sorry, you know, any apologies necessary to Joey Brunk, but that's absurd. He's you know, that, that kid, one point a game. He's averaging one point a game, and Tom's sitting there wondering if he has to double-team him. Um you know, like if you're looking for a, a low point in the season, um, I, I think you found it. Because um, yeah, I like, like I'm, I'm with you on, um, on Julius Marble. Like that's a big ask for him on Hunter Dickinson. Like you can expect him to do a little bit better than he did uh, against oh, Joy, yeah. against Joy Brunk, and same with, with your other big men. You know, seeing him just light it up, like, like it was, like, like that's kind of embarrassing for Michigan State. Like, like the the fans there were like going absolutely bananas for Joey Brunk, you know, and every time he touched the ball, it was like the whole crowd would get amped up a level and he'd make a nice post move and score, you know, um, right around the basket. And it was, it was quite a scene. Um, one that like for a team, for a team that really prides itself on defense, like I had not seen anything like that. Um, like a guy that never plays like that, um, being able to dominate them like they did and it being such kind of a, a spectacle, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it was the same thing with Dickinson. The bench is doing push-ups and everyone's flexing, and it's it's just embarrassing. It's it's what it's you don't see teams out tough Michigan State like that. It just doesn't happen. Um, so the, the, I guess the question is, I mean, what what does Michigan State do? Not just this year, but looking towards the future at at the five, because you know Bingham could come back. I have don't really have any interest in him coming back, but you know that's not my call to make. You have Kohler coming in next year, but again, he's he's going to have some strength stuff to build up too. You hear it. I'm hearing it nonstop, Kyle. Got to go in the portal for a big man. Got to go in the portal for a big man. How do you view the center position moving forward? Because it is a question mark. Uh, I think you got to go in the portal for a big man. <laughs> um, you know, I you know I know I know I disagree with the popular sentiment a lot, but I, I agree with it there. Um, like I, I don't see 
a guy set to be on next year's roster that's the caliber of big man that you need. And and I know some, you know, I know guys can develop, but um, just what I see physically out of some of these guys, like I have a hard time believing it's going to happen for them. So um, you, to me, you go out and get the best portal big man you can. Um, and then, you know, that would be five centers, you know, set to be on next year's roster. That's not all going to happen. So whoever decides that uh, they want to play elsewhere, whether that's Marcus Bingham saying, I've been here long enough, I'm gone. Or one of the other guys saying, I, you know, I want to go play somewhere else. Um, I would certainly expect that to happen. Um, but yeah, if you, if you try to roll that the, the same front court um, back next year, again, I, I don't know how you expect anything different. I mean, maybe you guys get a little bit better, but um but these guys have all been in the program multiple years and, and maybe and Jackson Kohler, like you said, I, I like his long-term upside. I, I don't see him being a big contributor as a freshman. I, I don't, I don't have any interest in running it back with this core, Kyle. I don't, I think you'd be crazy. I think there's pieces that make sense. I just, I'm the seniors though. I don't know. Like I I'd rather move on. I, I like, I, I think the perimeter um, has some potential like, um, I'm trying to think if we talked about this on the last podcast or not, but look at how many guys in the Big Ten were like okay as freshmen and then sophomore year, like boom, you're a guy. You know, Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis, um, Ladelsey Jr., but takes a big jump. Um, like I, I think best case scenario, Max Christie knows what the Big Ten's all about, gets in the weight room, works on his game the way he needs to. I'm not yeah, saying I'm not, he, I'm not saying he becomes Johnny Davis, but I think he has the potential to get much better. Like I'm, I'm not super high on the big men development year over year. I think Max Christie could be a lot better next year. I guess I was um, talking about Brown Bingham Hauser. Oh, sorry, you're talking about the the front court. Um, I'm Brown, talking about seniors. Brown Bingham. Oh yeah, Hauser, like, do you want to have the senior day uh, chat? Um, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, because if I'm if I'm Tom Izzo, I've seen enough from them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're going to have conversations. Um, I, I'm I'm sure some decisions have been made. None of them are going to come out. Um, uh, yeah, I I'm not sure how much sense it makes for for either side for a lot of these guys to come back. Um, you know, you you, you kind of are what you are at this point. And it, it, for a lot of these guys, I feel like it's you know go make go make money wherever you can playing basketball. Um, I, I know none of these guys are going to get drafted, but they can go make money somewhere else. I'm not sure that that situation is going to change a whole lot with one more year for these guys, you know? So um, I, I think that's probably a consideration for them and for Michigan state. Yeah. Um, the way the last two years have gone, um, maybe you want a little bit more of a refresh and maybe you're okay with that happening. It's, it's all very interesting though. You know, this, this, this idea that everybody can come back an extra year. Um, obviously the, the history with Michigan state has been like, you honor scholarships. You don't run guys off. You know, is very proud of that. You hear him all the time. Like you, I sign you, you play for four years, even if you're not um, producing maybe the way we want you to, you're here for four years, but now it's like, that doesn't, not everybody's guaranteed five years. So we're, we're some programs do this every year. It seems like every guy you you know, you run them off or you don't. Now they're kind of in a weird spot where they're going to have to make some mutual decisions. So my dog's barking at a delivery man. Yeah, um, probably heard my dog barking off. I don't know must be getting ago. simultaneous deliveries. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. I mean, this team, I, clearly some things have to change. I don't, I don't think that's, that Izzo needs to completely like abandon his philosophy and what's made the program great. Um, but college basketball is changing and the landscape is changing and how things are operating is changing. Um, so, I mean, I think you do have to, to flow with the times to, to make it happen. But if you want to look towards the future here, we obviously got March coming up. They've got senior day. Uh, obviously a win against Maryland is it's necessary to get to that 20 win mark guarantee your spot in, in March Madness. I think they're probably there anyways on the strength of some of their wins and how they performed early in the season. Um, but I mean, if you lose to Maryland, then lose your first game in the big 10 tournament, suddenly you're, you know, you're nervous, I would say, uh, of at least being in the first four maybe. Um, but I mean, the, their resume is solid. I think they're, what are they? 40, 44th in uh, Ken Palm and 40th in the net. So, I mean, they're, they're in good shape from that regard, but in terms of improving your seed and not having to run into a, you know, a two, a one seed or a two seed in the second round, it would be nice to, to get some wins here and just get some confidence back, man, because Mm -hmm. we've seen it this year. This group can win. They are capable of playing well. I just hope they haven't packed it in. You mentioned Izzo, like seeming like he doesn't know what else to do at this point. He's tried literally everything uh, mm-hmm. in his toolbox. Um, so, I mean, I think he's just kind of putting it on the players at this point. Like, if you want to keep getting embarrassed, be my guest. I'll be here. I'm not sure what you guys are going to do. I mean, so maybe that's the mindset he's taken. But um, it would be nice to get some wins here down the stretch. Maryland is a team they absolutely should beat at home. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I'm looking at the uh, the bracket matrix now. Uh, so like a low seven is where they are right now. Um, could easily strip it in the eight, nine game and have be facing a one seed um, on the opening weekend. Um, even if he's facing seven, you're facing a two there pretty quick. So um, yeah, I mean, tough spot to be in. You're going to have a very difficult first weekend matchup. Um, but I... I do think they're in. Um, the, the thing to remember is the committee does not take like momentum or last 10 games into account at all. Like every game counts completely equally. So like you got to kind of divorce your emotions of it, uh, which is obviously this team's playing terribly right now. You know, they don't look like an NCAA tournament team um, and just look at their entire schedule and they've got a lot of good wins. You know, they beat um, Wisconsin on the road. Wisconsin just won the big 10. They beat Purdue. Uh, they beat Michigan, um, UConn, uh, NCAA tournament team. Loyola is struggling a little bit, but that's still, I think that's still a quad one for them. Um, so anyway, uh, and a lot, of, I mean, 19 wins in the big 10. Um, I, I think they'll get to 20 on Sunday against Maryland, but um, I, I still think they're in good shape. I agree. Avoiding the first four, um, is probably a good goal to have at this point. And if you lose your next two, you're probably in danger of that. Um, but I would, I would still be pretty much shocked if they didn't get in on selection Sunday. Yeah. And these, and they say this doesn't matter, but being Michigan state is going to help them. They it want does. Michigan yeah. State I know. No one's ever going to admit that. Yeah. yeah. Same reason it's going to help Michigan this year, potentially. Mm-hmm. They want those brands in the tournament. So if they can make an argument for them, they will. But, you know, I think from a, a big picture fan standpoint, we know this team, you know, doesn't seem like they have the ingredients to make a deep run this year. Um, so as from a fan standpoint, I just want them to extend the streak, which is one of the longest in America and sort of regroup, maybe look at the portal, see what happens next year, uh, get in, get a whole year of strength development for these promising young guys in the program. And you never know, things could turn around quickly, but I mean, the fan base is down bad right now, Kyle, I, I keep trying to, and I'm part of it sometimes, but you know, I keep trying to remind people of the big picture, 
this team won three straight Big Ten championships from 18 to 2020. That's not that long ago. You know, Michigan mm-hmm. fans are freaking out right now. They won the Big Ten last year. I mean, they yeah. they just need to. I think you know expectations of these programs in this state are are high, rightfully so. That's that's the bar that they have set for themselves through sustained periods of excellence. They both made a Final Four in recent years. Um, so I mean, these programs, the level of expectations for where they're supposed to be, is very high. And this team hasn't really met it a lot, and especially hasn't met it in the makeup in the way that Michigan State plays basketball. This team hasn't embodied those things and getting embarrassed by Iowa and and you know just losing games the way they're losing, where it looks like they're non-competitive, I think is what's really rubbing people the wrong way more than anything. Yeah, I agree. But I I guess I would just say remember that if your bad year is filmmaking the NCAA tournament, you're you're still you're still living pretty good in my mind um because you things could always be worse uh have you checked have you checked out oregon state at all this year (laughs) they they went to the i mean this is obviously an extreme example but they went to the elite eight last year and are currently three and 26 yeah that was crazy i don't still don't know how oregon state made the elite eight that was georgetown hasn't won a conference georgetown has not won a conference game yes so um if yeah we'll 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 tick off some of the the low lights this year to make you feel better but yeah like i i understand like you set high expectations you have to um you have to live up to them and i don't blame anybody for being disappointed but um if you can try to take a step back take a step back and say, you know, this team was 14 and two, which is going to play in the NCAA tournament. It hasn't missed the NCAA tournament since 1997. Um, I believe. So uh, try to remember all that. Um, you know, you could be Indiana right now um, and be a, you know, a program with a ton of history that just can't figure it out. Um, yeah, you know, if this is down, that's still, that's still pretty good. Although, you know, I, I do think, and we can do this on a future podcast, but, you know, they've got a lot of questions to me just about the talent level on this roster um, and the talent level that's that's being brought in. Um, and I don't know, I'll be very curious to see what turns over and who gets brought in, in the offseason because, um, you know, like there have been teams that just like have had a lot of good guys on them and they, they just haven't clicked for whatever reason. Like, I just don't think this team, like you talked about, like really just kind of has the pieces right now. And maybe some of these younger guys or a Tyson Walker really develop and they get there, but it's like, I, I just think they need a talent influx um, in a pretty significant way, especially in the front court, like we talked about. And I'm, I'm curious to see how, how aggressive they are in doing it. Um, and if they're able to, because, you know, sometimes you say like, Oh, just go grab a portal guy. Like, you know, we did it earlier this podcast. Oh, grab a portal guy. Everybody's trying to grab a portal guy. You know, it is competitive out there. Um, and your Michigan state, you're going to have a good shot, but it's still, um, sometimes easier said than done, I guess. Yeah. The recruiting conversation is worth having. I mean, from a, from a recruiting, like ranking standpoint, they're still getting good guys, you know, mid-level high star, high four star guys, but you know, the, the range of outcomes for those guys are, is vast. You know, they could go right. from busts to being all conference players, you know, uh, they're not five stars where, you know, they're pretty much always going to be good. So, uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about the recruiting that's obviously based on this 18 class that you basically had two guys that aren't here, uh, two guys that, you know, maybe have underperformed a little bit. And then one of them, you know, was great, but left a year early and now he's playing in the G league. So maybe Aaron Henry should be on this team. I don't know. Uh, that would help that would be helpful, but then again, you know, uh, but especially in terms of identity and grit and playing defense and being tenacious, Aaron Henry would help a lot. Um, I just, you know, but, but it's, 
I just, it's hard for me to buy into the, oh, Michigan State doesn't have enough talent thing because they're still recruiting at a higher clip than a lot of programs. So it's just, I don't know. It's not like they didn't try and get a big man to commit for next year's class. Tom was in on a lot of guys, just none of them Mm -hmm. came. But then that starts to ask why. Why aren't they coming? Yeah. You know, to me, the the 2018 class argument does kind of have some weight because I – I don't think this is just revisionist history with that class. I think when they signed that class, there were a lot of question marks about, is this class talented enough? You know, or some of these guys have the physical capabilities of succeeding in the big 10. Like, like a lot of people kind of foresaw that coming. And unfortunately it played out the way I think people were afraid it would play out. Um, You know, good guys, you know, worked hard, but um, Foster lawyer just wasn't a big 10 guard. Thomas Gethier just wasn't a big 10 forward. Um, And Gabe Brown is, a, a, you know, a solid Big that's Ten player. Is. is not a leading is not a leading guy, you know. And that's if you're gonna take a five player recruiting class, like you got to get more out of that than what one All Big Ten selection. Was Aaron Henry's second team All Big Ten third last team. year? Third team I mean, All Big Ten. Third. Yeah, like that's just not enough um, from a five player recruiting class. But then, you know, if you go from that sense, it's like look at an alternate universe where rocket watch becomes what people thought he was going to become and stays on this team. You know, mm-hmm. like if he is like a high scoring shooting guard um, on this team, maybe he's out there with Max Christie and Gabe Brown is the sixth man. Um, and he's able to score 20 points pretty regularly, you know, which is, you know, what the coaching staff and a lot of fans thought he would be. And, you know, sometimes you, and he was a highly recruited guy. You know, we talk about rankings. He was a highly ranked Top guy. 35, I think. Right. And, Sometimes guys just don't pan out Um, and it's not, you know, you can try to blame the Michigan state coaching staff for him. He hasn't done very much at his next stop either. I know he was hurt. Um, hurt, Yeah. yeah, I I know that has something to do with it. I don't mean to bag on the kid, but um, sometimes it's, you know, talent evaluation is, is not a, is uh, uh, not an an exact science. Let's put it that way. Um, I guess you can help it with your, with your, how well you develop guys, but sometimes guys just aren't what you, aren't what you hope they were going to be. I guess the concern is the misses seem to be coming at a higher clip than they have. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um, So I guess that's, you know, is that something in the staff's uh, evaluation process or maybe they need some new eyes, some new blood in there. I mean, we talked about it when they hired uh, the new head coach or the new assistant coach, you know, bringing in someone from within the program, you know, we thought maybe someone who's younger with maybe a different approach would have been a good idea. So maybe you just need some new blood in there or a new eye or something. I, I'm also curious. So like you go back to that 16 class and those four guys, I'm trying to think, were they all top 50 or pretty close yeah, to it? That was um, great Nick, Ward, Nick, Nick Ward might've been a little below that, but he would, you know, obviously he was uh, a good player. Um, it, it's almost like, I want to go back and look at just how many like top 25 guys they're really like targeting these days. Cause it feels like they're really like Max Christie really, it feels like the last couple of cycles being, really the only like pretty high end guy that they are really going. I feel like it, it used to feel like every cycle, it was like one or two really high end guys. They were really going in on and they get one or two. Sometimes you get a good class, like 16. Sometimes, you know, you don't get any of them. Um, but it's, it's almost like the last two. It's like, they're, they're kind of just settling for these forties, fifties, sixties ranked kids who are good players. Like I'm not trying to bag on the guys that they had, but they're not, it's almost like they're not, going for taking home run shots anymore you know um and they're kind of just building these classes out of you know a bunch of pretty solid players but um i don't know i i I guess i need 
you know, outside of Max Christie, you know, it's um, where are these five stars that they're really kind of um, they're really kind of targeting? I mean, I mean, you follow recruiting pretty, um, pretty closely. Do you feel like that's that's fair and that's accurate? No, I, I absolutely do. And I, I mean, they went after some five star big man, you know, this this cycle they were trying you know they were after Kajani, yeah. right? they were after they were after I guys they right. just couldn't get him to come but you know it but that's my bigger concern like why don't why won't they come like michigan state should have everything that you would think they would need uh to commit to recruit high level top end talent i mean auburn's getting five stars and stanford's getting five stars and usc's getting five stars and it's just like why not Michigan state? And it, it's just, it's just weird. Like do our recruits like not into Izzo anymore? Like what is going on? Is he just too old and too old school at this point? Like, uh, I mean, we're going long here. We probably should have had this recruiting conversation some other time, but it's, it is interesting because I mean, that's where the people are going to look back on when guys aren't performing the way that you thought they would, they're going to look at recruiting. And it seems like Michigan state should be able to bring in a higher caliber player um, than, you know, some of their big 10 counterparts who have had way less success. There have been times where Michigan State has not been great, and but you look at you know what's in the pipeline, and it's like okay, they're they're going to be okay. Um, I'm I'm not so sure about that now, and it's it's fair to have because anytime you have really two down seasons in a row like this, the root of it's always recruiting, um, mm-hmm. for the most part. So, you know, I'm sure we can dig into it more, but it's it's interesting um, because I don't I don't know I guess I feel like their recruiting has changed. Um, if, um, a, a little bit. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe some of these guys will outplay their, their rankings um, in the next couple of years and they'd be fine. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's, the it's 2021 class was number 12 in the country, though. So it's hard to say. It was? They, they were, yeah. Christy, Christy, or maybe 2022 class. Christy Brown, or not, Christy Pierre Brooks and, uh, and Akins is number 12, according to 247. Huh. So... So but still, like, like it's, I don't know. It's twelve. Like, it's good. Like, I mean, should a program like Michigan State maybe be a little higher than twelve? I don't know. What, well, what they should do, be higher really than thirty-seven here? or whatever they are for the twenty twenty-two class or yeah. whatever. So, um, I mean, oh, it, it's a conversation we can continue sometime. But uh, you know, it is worth having because that's what a lot of people are looking at right now, and it it, it sort of starts with that eighteen class, um, which is making up the bulk of your team, or at least was last year and this year. So uh, maybe maybe they're gone and you bring in some new guys, and things can change quickly year to year. It's not like Michigan State doesn't have some good players, and with the portal things can really change quickly. So it'll be interesting yeah. to watch. Uh, yeah. Real quick. My, my, I mean, my best case for next year is like AJ Hogarth is a solid point guard. Tyson Walker is hitting shots. Max Christie kind of takes that step and becomes a dude. You find another four, you find another big man and um, Malik Hall um, starts being more consistent. Like I, I can see that path. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of things had to go right in that last sentence, but like I, I can see that path. But it really does feel like this team is just missing one or two ingredients to to being more consistent than they are. And that's really just like an alpha and a a vocal leader like a Travis Walton or a Tum Tum Nairn or someone like that. uh, And then a star. You're missing a star. Um, So, I mean, you add those two things to this team. I think we're looking at a different story. Um, But... You know, it is what it is. They are what they are at this point. Uh, you know, just a, a team that's just trying to make the tournament and extend the streak. Maybe they can get some wins going here, starting with Senior Day on Sunday. I think the game's at 4.30 on CBS. Um, but, you know, Senior Day, always special at any Lansing. I'm sure that the fans will be still supporting this team, as we always do. Um, but, you know, it's been a rough go lately. And as we enter March, we don't we aren't used to seeing 
Michigan State teams trending downward instead of upward, Kyle. So uh, it is a little bit different of a season, but there is still time for them to make some noise here uh, as we head into the Big Ten tournament and hopefully into March Madness. UCLA lost four in a row going in the tournament last year. There's your hope. That's true. Keep the hope. Keep the faith, Spartan Nation. So uh, appreciate everyone for listening today. Sorry we went a little long, but uh, if you could please like, rate, interview the podcast, that'd be appreciated. Kyle has post-game coverage up on MLive.com right now. Um, and obviously we'll be getting ready for senior day. He'll be there at the Breslin Center. And in uh, is the tournament in Indy or Chicago this year? I don't even know. Is that- uh, in Indianapolis. This year. Ah, great spot yeah. for it. Yeah, we'll uh, see if there's any combine football players still hanging around to talk to you, too. <laughs> yeah, maybe they can join the team. Yeah, That's maybe. <laughs> yeah, they need more football players. That's what the team needs. Yeah, yeah more Keon Coleman. Let's go. <laughs> Get him in there. That guy's not afraid to shoot. Uh, anyways, we're got to go. Appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, so for Kyle Lawson, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to Adam Live Spartan Confidence Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And go Green.